0: Welcome to another episode of Fertility Answers Podcast. Uh, I'm Neil Chappell and happy to be not by myself today, as it has been for the last couple months, but rather today I'm talking with Dr. Leisinger, one of our embryologists in our lab that helps take care of the embryos as we uh, retrieve the eggs and find some sperm and then turn them into, into babies. And I thought it'd be good to have a brief conversation with her about some of the more confusing things that happen on the other side of the curtain. Uh, We get a lot of questions from patients that I thought she might be more than qualified to address. I'm open to what you typically hear a lot of as far as questions that you may get from patients, but some of the more common things I get is, should I freeze my eggs or should I freeze my embryos? Um, So let's just start with that. Let's hear a little bit of your perspective on if if it's okay to freeze eggs or should you try and freeze embryos?
1: All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. That's a great question. In my opinion, um, egg freezing has come a long way. It's no longer considered experimental. Many, many clinics have really good outcomes with freezing eggs and then warming them, great survival rates, great fertilization rates. The technology has advanced very quickly, very recently, just in a few years to be considered something that is um, almost as good as freezing embryos. um, If you have enough eggs frozen, so some patients um, think maybe one egg freezing round is enough, in many cases it is. However, you do need to be cautious of the number of eggs you have frozen. So sometimes that can mean two rounds of egg freezing to make sure that they have enough.
0: Right. Depending on age and other comorbidities and stuff. Yeah that, yeah, that is an important conversation to have in follow-up and yeah, patients that freeze eggs with us that want to talk about it after the fact, that is the important thing is Okay, are you done? Yeah. I, uh, I found that folks have a different line in the sand uh, depending on what their family building goals are and, and how sure they want to be of the number of, of potential pregnancies they have in, in whatever cohort they've frozen. But yeah, that is a really important consideration.
1: Right. So then just following up on that, I would recommend to patients if they are very confident in their partner and their family building goals with their partner. As good as egg freezing is, embryo freezing is better. Why is that? That's a great question. (laughs) Because, so the egg is actually the largest cell in the human body. And so when you freeze a cell, um, large cells have a lot of water in them and water can cause damage when you're freezing. So the egg, that's why egg freezing took so long to um, become, you know not experimental in a good laboratory technique, because the egg is so big and has so much water and it's very difficult to freeze a cell like that. Now an embryo should have greater than a hundred some cells. So if one or two or even 10 cells of that embryo are damaged, the whole embryo itself is still going to survive if any part of that egg cell is damaged, that whole egg is done for, mm. and that's it, you know? Okay. So embryos freeze a lot better because they're more robust. They have, especially, you know, now they're doing the blastocyst freezing. Yeah. They're bigger, healthier, older, they have more cells.
0: I definitely want to come back to that because I want to talk about the difference of what we call embryos at various stages. I think that nomenclature gets kind of confusing. Yes. But just to kind of recap what you're saying is, an egg is hard to freeze because it's a big cell with a lot of water. An embryo is easier to freeze because it's a bunch of little cells that each have a little bit less water. Exactly. And when you freeze water, of course, it expands, and expanding can can break things just like we've all had something in the freezer burst because yep. it, <laughs> right. it froze. My understanding of the process is that the advances in egg freezing and the advances in freezing eggs, sperm, embryos, and you know, reproductive cells in general is that we figured out a way to remove a good portion of the water from the gamete and freeze it uh, through vitrification that's essentially the distilled version yes okay Mm -hmm. and then of course when you Warm that back up. That's that's called. We, we often call it thawing. Technically, yes. it's warming since Correct. it didn't never freeze. But that technically,
1: that's... it's called devitrification. Ah, I love it. You that. want to be okay. technical? No, I love being <laughs> technical.
0: That's why I love talking to you. Okay, awesome. So so let's so you kind of segue nicely, and then I went off in another rabbit hole. But you you segue nicely into uh, conversation about the the, the blastocyst. So. Kind of take me through the development of an embryo from having an egg and having sperm and fertilizing all the way to this blast and what the heck do we mean by by those, by those points in time?
1: Sure. So on the day of your retrieval in the lab, we call that day zero. So that's the day that we get your oocytes, eggs, AKA, um, from the follicles. They have a bunch of cumulus cells around them. so typi- Support cells. Yes. Yeah, okay. So typically we, re- we remove those cells. Okay. Um, so we can see the maturity of the eggs that we've retrieved.
0: And that's what you call stripping. Correct. Okay. So that's what we
1: call stripping. And then we assess maturity. Okay. Uh, an egg should be at a metaphase two. So that's called mature. Like a lot of times we'll call patients with their fertilization check and say, you had this many eggs retrieved and this many were mature. You can
0: yeah. only
1: put sperm with mature eggs when you're doing ICSI.
0: Okay, so that I think that's a really important point. People say, "Oh, I had, I had. Wait a minute, I had 15 follicles. Why did you get 13 what eggs? Yeah. And then why do I only have eight on day one? Because you said the egg retrieval is day zero. Correct. So, um, for for on on my side of the of the quote unquote curtain, not all follicles will have an egg, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's that goes back to the way that the ovaries develop, and, and so you don't always get. Uh, an egg from each follicle that you see. What do you mean by this maturity rate? Uh, because I think that's that's that is the, that's the next step. So let's say that we do get ten eggs. Not yes. all of those eggs will be mature. Correct. What does mature mean?
1: Mature means that they are at a stage called metaphase two, which is a stage of meiosis. Okay. We okay. see that um morphologically just with the eye it has what's called a polar body which is an extrusion of some chromosomes which shows us that the egg is mature and ready for sperm to enter it and begin the development stage so there's other stages of immaturity we don't really have to get into that but those eggs can they're not ready physiologically they didn't develop along far enough right Mm -hmm. okay so those we cannot use
0: so for the listeners there's cells divide in two different ways mitosis and meiosis mitosis is for like your skin cells or your hair cells and things like that, and they just need to basically replicate themselves to grow. But meiosis is a special form of growth that either sperm or eggs do, and that's, that's designed to split the DNA in half. We all have two copies of DNA, one from mom and one from dad, and the egg and the sperm have to split in half so that the other half of the DNA from the new mom and dad can come together and form a new embryo that ultimately becomes a baby. When the egg is maturing in the follicle, it's getting ready to undergo that process. And what Dr. Leisinger is saying is that not all eggs go through that process and therefore, after the egg retrieval, we will we will have some eggs that didn't. But the eggs that do, they're called M2s and they're ready to be fertilized. Correct, yep. So you mentioned ICSI. Mm-hmm. ICSI is it, when?
1: intracytoplasmic sperm injection. So okay, perfect. ICSI, we call it ICSI in the lab. Okay and ICSI is when you take your egg and your sperm has been prepared, um, only modal ones, uh, very you know good quality sperm. So then you put your eggs and your sperm in separate drops, you grab a sperm, you inject a single sperm into a single egg, that's it. Then they go back in the incubator for 18, approximately 18 hours, 16 to 20 is the window. Okay. And then we'll check fertilization. What we want to see the following day on day one is fertilization so we would look for two pronuclei which is the female DNA and the male DNA we can see that as well under the microscope it they're clear beautiful. it's awesome clear little circles kind of right next to each other and so you you need to have two of those in okay. order for an egg to be considered fertilized normally
0: that makes sense okay. so if you were to see extra pronuclei or missing pronuclei that yes. would be evidence of of the egg developing, or possibly the sperm, but usually right. the egg, mm-hmm. developing an abnormal number of, of genetic material, or abnormal number of chromosomes, and therefore Correct. that's an incorrect fertilization. Yes, okay. exactly, Got and it. those are not kept <clears throat> in culture. So as a side note, we definitely should dive into ICSI and other kind of male factor components of the lab side, looking at semen analyses and and when we should or shouldn't do ICSI. I think that's probably a little bit too deep of a talk today. I kind of just want to hear about it. The, the life cycle of the embryo so sure. coming back to that soon um, uh, let's let's kind of go on so after fertilization, The next time we typically look is around day three, and you expect the embryos to be about at what stage at that point?
1: You ideally you want them to be at eight cells. There is a window, so um, you know, say your ICSI was in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, Everything's kind of is very timed in the lab. So Mm -hmm. if we then do the day three check in the morning, it's acceptable for them to be at six cells as well. So a window of six to ten cells is considered ideal. Okay. We also give them a quality grade. This has been demonstrated in the literature to be not super beneficial, but it can be helpful in some aspects if you're dealing with, you know, TESI sperm, the, the surgically extracted sperm, or severe male factor. It can indicate whether the sperm may be more of an issue or the egg may be more of an issue if there's delayed or altered development. So we do still give them a quality grade. We grade them one through four according to how symmetrical the cells are and then the degree of fragmentation. So fragmentation being little blebs inside the embryo, cells that may have gotten extruded from the cellular division. So it's just kind of when there's debris around Uh, the blastomeres is what we call them.
0: I tell patients that it's kind of like if the embryo is having to to throw away a lot of trash. So like if you have a house that you have to clean out and throw away a lot of trash, Mm -hmm. that's kind of an indication that there's some stuff going on inside that house that needs some renovations. Correct. Um, But a, a house that's kind of clean kept, there won't be a whole bunch of trash and not a lot of fragmentation. Exactly. Okay. Well, the other interesting point about day three, this is about the time that the sperm and egg have combined their DNA enough to where we start seeing expression of both mom's and dad's DNA. The first couple of days is really just egg um, kind of running the show because right. the embryo needs time to ramp up the proteins and genes that are being expressed by both the genomes. So this is called the embryonic genome activation. So what Dr. Leisinger is alluding to is that once the embryo makes it to this stage, now we're starting to see a little bit more sperm factor come into play, mm-hmm. and that's why you can have beautiful embryos for a first couple of days that really start to, to 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 peter out towards the end if you have exactly. um, if you have significant male factor. Yeah, this uh, for is example. a very
1: critical area <clears throat> of development mm-hmm. for the embryo. Yeah. So.
0: so day three versus day five transfers, we still get a fair number of questions about that. Mm-hmm. The advances in what we call extended cell culture that allow us now to grow embryos past day 3 to day 5 have allowed for day 5 transfers and mm-hmm. improved improved pregnancy rates per transfer. I was hoping that you could speak from uh, the PhD embryology perspective on how you feel about a day 3 versus a day 5 transfer, or how how the field in general uh, feels about it, because I do get those questions every now and That's then. That's a
1: great question, and there are some differences of opinion in, in the the field in general. Now, my training and the labs that I've worked in, the patients that I've worked with, um, I definitely tend to lean towards the day five transfers. Okay. Even if a cycle outcome is not looking so great, um, just because the culture has improved quality of the media that we're using, the components, Mm -hmm. they're finding there's some different additives Patients always ask us about embryo glue, and we use all of those things for our culture. Um, so just letting the embryo get a little bigger, advance. A lot of times, if they arrest at day three in the incubator, my take on it is most of the time, even if you did a day three transfer, yeah. they're gonna still arrest. They're already potentially arrested. Yeah. So growing them <laughs> out gives us a little bit more closure
0: a few more answers. A few more answers, yeah. exactly. I, I agree with that. I, I agree, but I, I think you kinda hit the nail on the hand. It kinda depends on the lab too. Mm-hmm. Because yes. some not all labs are created equal. Not all labs have the same protocols. Not all labs have the same outcomes. Yes. Not all it, labs
1: have the same blastocyst
0: rate. Right. So, so it definitely behooves you to do research on mm-hmm. the center that you're working with exactly. and ask them their specific um, rates and experiences with day three versus day five transfers. But in general, with extended culture, it does offer a benefit in pregnancy rates because you've kind of seen past the window of those those day three embryos you were kind of alluding to that mm-hmm. had potential, but then ultimately didn't have the right makeup to make it. And so you're 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 getting a a grad student, I guess, uh, that to put to work as opposed to someone who who's still in high school. Yeah. And, and those pregnancy rates do reflect that.
1: Yeah. And the other side of that coin as well, um, you know, Dr. Chapel could probably speak more to this, but the when the implantation. You know, at day five, that's when the embryo should physiologically be in the uterus.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah.
1: that's when it's ready to be implanted. Day three is still a little asynchronous mm-hmm. for putting an actual embryo in a uterus. Fair point. If you're comparing the normal development of embryos. Fair point. In b um,
0: So there are about 17 other things that I would love to hear your thoughts on. And, and we need to come back and do this again, looking at things like the genetic testing of the embryos, like I said, the andrology side, other additives like heparin or embryo glue in the media, because there are some people that feel strongly about those things one way or the other. I'm one
1: of them, I feel very strongly about embryo glue, so I'd love to talk about that. We need to, we need to. (laughs) Uh, But
0: uh, kind of the last thing I want to talk about today is the grading of the blast. I I find more and more patients are asking about this.
1: Yeah, I find that as well too. Yeah, So, Mm -hmm.
0: so tell me a little bit about the grading system and the criteria and and the value that you guys have with with that system in how you guys think about the embryos.
1: Sure. So we use the Gardner grading system. So if anyone wants to Google that, um, if we ever talk about their embryo grades. um,
0: That's G-A-R-D-N-E-R, not Gardner, but but Gardner.
1: David K. Gardner. So it's his grading system is what Mm -hmm. we use. Many labs use it. Many labs use a variation of it. It's a very common grading system. So we'll give the embryo a number according to the stage of development of the blastocyst. Okay. Uh, We usually leave that number out when we're talking to patients because if it's a blastocyst and we biopsy and we froze it Mm. or just froze it or transferred it or whatever you know it was an adequate stage on that day so usually when we talk to patients we just discuss the quality grade okay so quality grade on the gardener system is an a through d d being degenerate so we can kind of just shorten it up to a through c okay I like to compare it to school grades when I'm speaking to people. A's are great. You know, it's what everyone strives for. B's are okay. And C's are acceptable as well. Passing, but like just the bare minimum. Um, Probably a little less than ideal, but still adequate. Okay. Okay. So we grade two parts of the embryo. We grade what's called the inner cell mass, which becomes the baby, mm-hmm. and then the trophectoderm cells, which become the placenta. So you want them to have a certain number. You want them to look a certain way, um, nice and compact, not too big, not too stretchy, not grainy, not dark, all those kinds of things. So that's what will play into whether we give it a certain letter grade.
0: Okay. Um, so that's yeah. that's it. It's that's- not...
1: No, the grading perfect, system, but, it, but, but... It,
0: it helps in figuring out which embryos you would consider transferring first and, or, or not. And
1: right. How, mm-hmm. So,
0: and I just have to ask, but how do you feel about single embryo transfer versus versus transferring more than one embryo?
1: I love single embryo transfer.
0: I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I've only done a handful, and and it, it, it's yeah. So I uh, 100% agree. Yes. Uh, okay. Perfect. Definitely on board with that. Um, so. I, Lastly, I'll kind of open the floor up to you a little bit, knowing that we're going to come back, because this was re- this was a really fun 20 minutes. Are there questions that you get from patients that, that I haven't asked that you think are like, hey, this is something that w- that people would really like to know?
1: I Yes, I have one that we usually get often okay. when we make phone calls I'm on excited. any day. Okay. <laughs> the question we get asked is, what happened to the rest of them?
0: Okay. Yeah. Or,
1: you know, why only X amount? Those two yeah. kind of go hand in hand. So... Yeah. You know, we've been talking up how good our in vitro system is and things like that, but it's still not nature. You know, it's still not an in vivo system in the body, so it's not perfect. So there is loss along the way in every step.
0: Well, I, I and I'll, I'll honestly push back a little bit with that too, and saying that Mother Nature, from the standpoint of human reproduction, is far from perfect.
1: That's true. Yeah, but, we also forget about that. Yeah, That's correct.
0: So, we, so it. it even even if we had the perfect system, most eggs wake up abnormally. Exactly. And most yes. fertilizations don't, don't occur normally. Right. And, and so really the, the culture system and, and the hard work that, that y'all do um, is really just trying to optimize the outcomes of exactly. the healthy eggs mm-hmm. and the healthy sperm that we're able to get to, to fertilize um, and, and shake hands, as I say. Right. So. And so. one
1: thing that I like to tell patients when I talk to them on the phone is everything not every egg is going to fertilize and not every fertilized egg is going to become an embryo Mm -hmm. so if you even if you have five fertilized you know a good outcome for that cycle it could be one to five embryos a good outcome though to to be happy with would be one to two and i know that that one number can be hard but having one embryo is can often be a good outcome, even if you have a large amount of eggs because you could be dealing with a severe male factor or something like that. So one thing that one of my kind of catchphrases is I like to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. We like to set a realistic stage, but also say, you know, I've seen people that make almost an eighty percent blastocyst rate. Averages are the highs and the lows together. So yeah. sometimes we've had people that make a hundred percent blast. Mm-hmm. But Mostly it's average our blast rate our fertilization rate tends to be Industry average something to be considered good is 70% or more hmm our lab hovers between 75 and 80 percent for rate Okay, and then our blast rate any industry average anything above kind of 40% is good Okay, um, so we're kind of on the higher end 45 50% depending on kind of the the cycle okay. so those are just kind of some numbers, some percentages to keep in mind when thinking are, about the
0: yeah, outcome. Those are numbers that your the clinic that you're seeing should have on hand at all exactly. times. Exactly. I mean these are these are numbers that, that Dr. Leisinger keeps a close eye on at all times for, for us. And so you're you know, again, just asking asking these questions and being an advocate for yourself is gonna be critical in making sure your 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 goals are being met where you are. And I think those are good those are good bookmarks to have in place as for far sure. as expectations. So and again, it's, it's individualized for the patient and their story. I try and set those expectations with patients as we, as we go through a cycle. What am I seeing on the scans? What do we know about their history? Where was their egg reserve in the first place? What's their history of trying, history of treatments, age, other components of male factor? And then how we watch the IVF cycle to set expectations about what we're going to expect to see as the eggs and embryos uh, grow. So I think this, I hope that this has been illuminating for folks and I've got a list here of of things to tackle with uh, Dr. Leisinger part two, uh, (laughs) soon to come, but I really appreciate your time and and hope you have a good day.
1: My pleasure. Thanks.
0: Bye y'all. Bye.